passion. Remember when you were just starting out and wanted to set the world on fire? I know, you're in school leadership, so you are still setting the world on fire in a good way, but maybe some days it feels like your box of matches is running a bit low. Maybe. Today, we have a very special guest who is on the front end of her career with matches to spare. Her passion and wisdom are contagious, and whether you've had an abundance or a dearth of matches or somewhere in between, today's guest will bring a smile to your face and a spark to your heart. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Natalia Mejia is the 2023 North Carolina Beginning Teacher of the Year. She entered education with the hope of increasing the diversity of educators in the classroom. She's an alum of the Honors in Education program at the Cato College of Education at UNC Charlotte. Natalia teaches ELL students at CC Griffin Middle School, and she was a two-time participant in study abroad programs to Cape Town, South Africa. These visits inspired her philosophy of education around the Ubuntu concept of I am because we are. She's co-written two book chapters about her experience and research in South Africa, and she's the co-founder of the nonprofit organizations 49ers for Puerto Rico and Knit Together Prana. Natalia, welcome to the show. We've set this up a while ago and it's finally happening and I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today and also to be able to represent my students. It's an honor. It really is. So thank you. Uh, you're so very welcome. I always like to start with celebrations. So what are you celebrating today? Ooh, a win that I can celebrate with. Uh, my kids, we finally presented their projects that they had. And so my newcomers were presenting projects like on a first day of school, what they wish that maybe they would have known and what they wish that they would have been able to teach someone else. And we actually had um, a newcomer who for the first time ever was able to be in my class and she was able actually to get all those tips and tricks. So it was really cool to see my newcomers teach another newcomer something new. So that's always room to celebrate. When your kids are teaching, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Is there a story that would help listeners understand why you do what you do? Mm, that is an amazing, an amazing question. Um, hmm. Wow. Oh. A story. There's so many little vignettes that come to my mind. Um, I think one of my favorite stories um, with one of my students were 
it was during Dia de Muertos. We decided to celebrate it um, as a class and as a school, and we created an altar. And so we had people from all over our school building actually coming and bringing these photos, bringing these memories, and they were actually talking about the loved ones that they'd lost. And to celebrate it, we decided that Latinos in STEM, which is a group that I um, started, we were going to make um, traditional pan de muerto. So that's the traditional food that you'll find on the altar on Dia de Muertos. And while we were making it, one of my students came up to me and he was like, you know what, Miss Mejia, um, your classroom is this number. And it was a certain number. And that's the highway that we live off of. That's that's where our highway that we live off. This is like our second home, Miss Mejia. Your home, like our classroom is our home. And for me, that just hit so hard for me to have students who at one point were really, I think, struggling to create community and to create family. For me to have students say, this is our home, to take that into their hearts and to share that with me. I mean, I was an emotional wreck after that. I just like started like getting all teary eyed. I was like, wow, you know, that this student feels like I've created a place where they're safe and loved. That just meant the world to me. And I think that that embodies why I'm a teacher. It's all about family. It's all about community. I, I love that story because we're in this funny profession where Good teaching is complex, is really complicated. It's really hard. But yet there's this other layer that is so simple, right? Of of creating creating an atmosphere with our kids, of building those relationships, of getting to know them, and then creating that space that is safe for them, that can be that other home and being sensitive to their needs and their desires. And that part of it, that's also hard, but it's not that complicated. No, I know we make it seem like it's rocket science. And sometimes it's just as simple as when a child walks in, just being, oh, I'm so happy to see you today, rather than maybe getting on them, you know, or, you know, ragging on them for something, you know, you just, you know, give them a hug and say, wow, you're here today. We're going to have a great day. Like that's just such an easy way to start your day right. And to show students you care. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to start also with a five minute coaching session today. And I explained to you really briefly um, what that is for listeners who should know, but five minute coaching is just a really nice, simple, reflective activity that we can do with teachers. And what's great about it is it helps teachers reflect on their own practice. And the biggest key to five minute coaching, if you're doing it, is to keep your mouth shut. Just ask the question and be quiet. So this is my gift to you, Natalia, a little five-minute coaching session. We're so glad to have you here. Tell me what has gone well for you in your lessons today. Oh, in my lessons today. Mm. I was able to hear some of my newcomers read in English, and they were able to explain to their peers, they were actually by themselves able to translate um, greetings and they were able to translate um, ways to say goodbye and important things such as, um, it was it was really cute, but one of them, 
one of the, the titles of one of the um, slides needed to be important things you have to know. And one of the first things they had at the top was like, can I see Miss Mejia? <laughs> And, and they translated it for the newcomers and they're like, you need to know how to say this, how to say, can I go see Miss Mejia in Spanish um, and in English. And so I think I always just love hearing my kids read. And so to be able to hear them read it in English or read it in Spanish, that they were able to, you know, translate it. Um, it always inspires me to hear my newcomers. Um, they're an inspiring group of young adults. So I mm. love it. And in that lesson, were there any surprises? Let's see, any surprises? Hmm. I think for me, one of the big surprises is to see my newest newcomer, not the one that just arrived last week. She arrived while we were in testing. Um, so she arrived in February to see how much she understood that she was helping some of my girls that have been here for about four years, three to four years, she was helping them translate. And just to see how quick that had happened, you know, how quick basic interpersonal communicational skills are built because you want relationships, you want friends. To see her immediately be able to say, oh, I already know how to do those things. I was like, wow, like this lesson when I started it, it was when you were here so you could start practicing and now here you are, already understanding these basic things, um, these basic principles um, and speech patterns you're going to need to know to just navigate your school life. Um, and I think that that was, I was actually kind of surprised. I was like, you've only been here like two months and you already are over here translating? Like, what is this? And she really has, um, in my other classes, she really has stepped up and she actually is helping our newest newcomer that she arrived last week on Wednesday or Thursday. She's already helping her. And that's just like, wow, like that's huge, you know? <laughs> so reflecting on, on all that, is there anything that you would do differently next time? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, Definitely next time with this specific lesson, because I did it more as a fun type of thing. I want to create a rubric for the kids to take what each slide should have and how many sayings or greetings should be on the rubrics. And I wanted it to be more fun and friendly for them because instead of it even being a person, they got to pick an animal. The animal was like an, like a human being coming into school. So if you have this animal, one of my girls named her is Gatito. So Gatito came into school and she got to, you know, tell him all these amazing things that he needs to know, you know, so he can survive an American high school or middle school experience. Um, and next time I was like, it was supposed to be a lot more fun and build off of our last lesson before that, where they were talking about what their favorite animal is and if they could be that animal, why? So then they were that animal coming into an American school. Um, I definitely would add a rubric um, next time so that it would be more clear for some of my kids exactly what I wanted to see. Um, but because I wanted it to be more fun, I did it. And now I'm like, next time I'm going to make a rubric. Get ready, guys. <laughs> the rubric's coming. Your own little <laughs> checklist for yourself. Uh, hey, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And uh, for again, for people listening, I mean, you heard Natalia be able to just reflect and, and work through that. And it's always fun when you do this with teachers, because when I ask the surprise question, Natalia, you... 
you paused and you kind of sat back and your eyes looked up and, and I love to do that with teachers because you can see teachers reflecting and then to just create this space, you had a wonderful day and you had these things to celebrate in the lesson, but also the students. And so to create this little space for you to be able to celebrate that, I think is really powerful. So thank you for being a great um, role model for the five minute coaching session. Thank you. <laughs> And can you explain just a little bit about your students and the idea of your students as newcomers and, and your role in the school and for the students in your school? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So inside of um, being an ELL teacher, and now we're moving towards MLL because we have multilingual learners. We're also trying to take away the negative stereotype that can be found when we say ESL. Sometimes people think English second language learners, and they don't, um, first of all, recognize that a lot of students speak more, that a lot of our students speak more than just um, two languages or just one language. Um, and they also think negatively sometimes um, that students are unable to speak English already. And they're like, why don't they have it yet? Um, and so when we say multilingual learners, people are able to see that these students are composed of so much more and that they are able to really um, represent themselves in the classroom as multilingual learners. Um, another thing that I think really speaks to who I am um, in the classroom and who my kids are is that I really go into the classroom to support my kids and to give them um, the scaffolding that they may need, the differentiation that they may need when I push into the classroom. Um, I'll have students who are newcomers. So those are students anywhere from one to three years. Okay. So you're the 2023 North Carolina yes. beginning teacher of the year, but yes. actually you're wrapping up here your second year. Um, and, and so I think listeners can already hear just how passionate and accomplished you are and how much of an advocate you are for your kids. And so what I wanted to, to focus this on then is how can assistant principals help and support mm. wonderful teachers like you? So, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, if we want to start talking about what are what are some of the ways that you have been supported um, that assistant principals have really helped you in this last, what, I guess, mm -hmm. year and a half that you've been teaching? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that they've been open to all the ideas that I bring to the table. Um, because I'm a new teacher. Personally, I tell other teachers that are new be okay with failing. Failure is so okay. And it's a part of jumpstarting to that amazing new idea that you're soon going to be having. Um, and I also tell them like, you know, on the down low, I'm like, okay, let's just be honest. Teachers who've been teaching for a long time, they already expect us sometimes to fail. So if we do, we're just living up to their expectations and it's okay. It's okay to fail. Just take it with a good laugh and keep going. And I've actually been really blessed that a lot of my ideas, because my school community has grasped onto them, we've actually been able to accomplish those new ideas. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without the support of my APs. And they have just always been willing, and my principal, to sit down and just listen to me. And I think that 
having an open-minded AP or principal is, I think, career changing because I don't think that I would be where I am today. And I don't think I would have maybe been recognized if it wasn't for the fact that they said, oh, Mejia, you want to host the Hispanic Heritage Festival? You're just a new teacher. You can't do that. No, they immediately said, okay, yeah, go ahead. What do you need from us? Space? officers do you do you need to know different food trucks what what do you need you know it was it it was just a place where I could tell they were willing to hear my ideas and I think that I'm really blessed that I have an AP and a principal that just allow my mind to run wild and they support me with that so how did that how did that relationship begin when you came into school your first week or the week before classes started and you met your administrators, it sounded like it got off to a good start. What did that look like? And what did they do to signal to you early that, hey, we trust you, we value you? So we've definitely had a revolving doors of APs and principals at my school, except for a few that honestly have, um, from the beginning when I, I did my um, interview, Miss Perez she captivated me with the way that she talked about family and the way she talked about community. And my teaching philosophy is built off of Ubuntu, this idea that I am because we are. And it's a COSA um, from South Africa idea of family and that our story is woven into many other stories that create this narrative of who we are. And I was immediately captivated by Miss Perez. And I can honestly say that I took the job because of her. And I told her that. I was like, I took this job because of you. The way you talked about family and community, you made me say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that community. And the first day that I was here with my mom setting up, she came to talk to me. She came to welcome me and to, you know, pretty much say like, hey, this is your room. I'm so excited you're here. And I've always known that within Ms. Perez, I've had a mentor and someone that I can sit down and talk to. Um, and I think the way that she did that was just by being open. She was open to who I was as a person. And she saw that I had, I had gifts. She actually said, what caught me was your cover letter. I read your cover letter and I said, oh, I want to have that girl teaching in this school. I want her to teach my students. Um, and so I could tell that because I put time into that cover letter, she got to know me. And that meant a lot to me as a new teacher, that she valued me as a person and that she wanted me in her community. I love that from the very beginning that she knows who you are and she knows something special about you. She knows what's making you, what's making you tick and what fuels your passion. And, and I'm, I want to invite everybody that's listening to think about that. If the day your new teacher set foot in the school or the day after your new teachers set <laughs> foot in the school, are you able to tap into and to, to identify what is it that excites that person? What's that, what's that teacher's passion? Because if you know that, then you can be there and be the support to help them achieve that when things go great, but also when things are struggling, right? Because you can come back to say, hey, I I know what you want. I know what you want to achieve. I know maybe you're not getting there right now. Let's talk about how I can help you. I, I love when we interview people that are in real schools. 
<laughs> I don't know if <laughs> listeners know. could hear, but we had the announcement for the soccer team. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And like the whole time at the first question, my kids were knocking, banging to try to get in. I was like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so was there a, um, can you remember a time from the, from this beginning of your career here that things have, have been really tough and, and you hit maybe some road bumps and then how, how did administration, what role did they play in helping you through that? Yeah. Um, I think one of the personal things that I had a little bit of a harder time with is just understanding when to turn things off. Um, sometimes um, because of the fact that um, there's only one other Hispanic person and Spanish speaking person in my school, um, you know, when I walk into the room, it can feel heavy, the burden of representing maybe a whole group of people. Um, you know, a very diverse, very complex, um, group of people. And, you know, I have taken on a lot, you know, trying to be that bridge of the community, um, and my school so that parents feel that they have an equitable experience when they walk into this school building. Um, and admin really has stepped in at times and said, you know, translating is not part of your job. You know, you need to, you need to step, you know, you need to step back. You need to take time for you. Um, and I'll say that is going to be a lifelong struggle for me for sure. Um, because I want my kids to feel part of this community and I want their parents to feel like they're getting an equitable experience. Um, and linguistically, we're not providing that for our parents of students who do not speak the first, who do not speak English as their native language. Um, and so, you know, they definitely have had to step in and be like, Mejia, are you, are you loving on yourself? Are you taking time? Um, and I always love when I walk down the halls, um, you know, how one of my, our APs, she'll just talk to me just to talk to me. And so will Perez, you know, they, it's not always about school. It's not always about work. Um, and that means a lot to me, um, that they just want to see how I'm doing. Um, and that they've got my back. And the same is for Johnson. She's um, our, my other AP. And I just love going in and just checking on her. And and the way she's like, oh, how are my babies today? And she's talking about my kids. And that just means so much. I just, it just makes me so happy that she loves my kids, you know? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about representation? Of course. Yeah, that's really important. So, you know, I'm a white guy who's, you know, it's, it's the dominant culture. So I've not had to, to think about that. And I work with a lot of rural schools where there will be one Hispanic teacher or one person that doesn't look like everybody else. And, and so I think that the idea of representation is, I mean, it's, it's complex, right? Because it's not fair to put individuals in the position of having to represent a whole group of people. And yet those individuals find themselves place, placed there. So in helping people like me be sensitive to respectful and empowering people who are in positions like yours, what... What would you like to tell us? 
Wow. That's, that's a beautiful question. Um, I would say one of the most important things is if you could just stand with us when we're advocating for um, diverse employment in our, in our schools, that when we're asking for and when we're looking for those things, um, that you guys keep that in mind, how important it is for students to feel themselves represented in their schools, that they see themselves represented in the material that they're being provided, that when you look at the laws that are currently in the General Assembly, that you think about how that could affect um, us or like our students of color. For example, the busing, um, that current house builder, they're trying to redo busing, correct? And they are going to try to remove diverse students from certain schools. What what does that tell those students? What does it tell your colleagues who work with you, who that child is pretty much just a reflection of themselves when they were that age? Um, so I think that just standing with us in those moments of solidarity are so important and doing the active work you know, that comes into that, which is your own research and your own time spent um, trying to understand maybe the difference between Hispanic and Latinx um, or being Latino. That's a question I get asked very often, which I don't mind, you know, answering. But I mean, there's always different ways to find out that information, of course. And so I would definitely say that that would be a few of my suggestions. And Something I've noticed that I love that I can see that a lot of teachers are willing to do just to give you guys like, just to say a, a big, amazing thing I love is when we put on this Hispanic Heritage Festival, the amount of teachers that stood up to help, the amount of teachers that decided to volunteer their time, the amount of teachers that gave from themselves. Um, they like one of the teachers, she actually made us a cup and we got to um, raffle them off. You know, she made that on her own spare time. You know, um, just that idea of celebrating each other's cultures. I think that that is something that we are truly trying to work towards um, as a community of educators, especially the people who are there that are working for the children. That's something that I see that makes me excited and it gives me hope. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You were able to be with a whole bunch of other new teachers um, in the, there was an event in North Carolina. I think you got to come and that's where I read about you for teacher of the year. And so you've talked to a whole bunch of people in, in those experiences, what, what were the best stories that you heard new teachers share about administrators and how they were supported? I would say it's definitely the new ideas that we brought and the support that the principals gave us. Um, slim, similar to myself, another um, young lady who's absolutely phenomenal educator, she was able to start a men's group. But we can't do that without the support of our schools. We are like, she was able to bring men from outside the community, men of color to come and sit at the table and talk to the boys. And that's something I also do. I, but I can't do that. We can't do that without the support of our admin. Um, I remember another student, another person that I had met while there, um, 
his admin supported him um, in the work. They brought a piece that had never been played. He's a band teacher, a piece that had never been played in the United States. And he'd gone out obviously, you know, with the blessing of his administration. And he'd asked um, that German traditional band if he could play it and introduce it to the U.S. And they agreed. And so for the first time ever, that music, you know, that song was played, you know, in the United States, you know, and that's, that's a huge thing. These ideas that we bring to the table as new teachers, um, to hear them flourish and to hear how they, they grow, um, how they were growing, um, another teacher, it was absolutely phenomenal. She's a CTE teacher and she teaches fashion. She was running prom and she was doing all these different committees, all these different um, ideas that she had so she could reduce the price of prom for students so that they could come to prom. And they were um, what what's called flocking and they were taking these pink flamingos and they were putting them on people's lawns and people had to pay to remove them. They had to pay to remove the flock. And so she was able to raise money, but obviously she couldn't have done that without the support of her administration. And so... For me, just seeing how dedicated um, administrators can be to us as new teachers and our ideas, it's inspiring to me. And it has honestly continued to push me um, as an educator to find new ways to engage my students because I know, I know that I can go to my principal, Miss Blakeney, and she's going to say, go for it. You've got this girl, go for it. You can do it. I believe in you. I have faith that it's going to work out and that the students are going to come out of it changed and that they're going to see education in a new way. Um, and I would say that that's, that's one of the most amazing parts um, referring to principles that I really took away from that week. I love that. As you were talking, I, I just kept thinking on the difference between how maybe different school leaders would approach the ideas of their new teachers. And I can see a lot of them saying, well, well, we can't do this because, mm -hmm. but then you look at the flip side of, okay, how can we do this? Mm -hmm. How can mm -hmm. we do this? And, and I would encourage people that that, that is your first thought when somebody comes with this energy and this idea and this passion, it's not about why we can't, it's how can we? And, and maybe we're able to figure out a way to do it in the exact form that this teacher is imagining. Maybe some things will have to be adapted, but approaching first with how can we? Yes. And if a principal would just, maybe, or an AP would just change that mindset, I think that our, a lot of our schools would change drastically. Mm -hmm. um, in I think I'm, my hope is in positive ways, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of relationships with other adults in the buildings, which ones have been the most important? Oh, that's, I, that's, that's a really good one. Um, I would say definitely my relationship with students and parents are the most important ones that I've built outside of that. Um, parents, because I've built community with them and they know that they can text me or call me at any time and I will respond to them, that I will be working towards finding a solution to whatever they may need or whatever questions that they may have. And it's really, um, it has helped me with my relationships with the kids um, because they feel like we are more of a family 
Um, and so there's a lot that can happen when you have your parents and your kids on your side. Um, like this is an example that I give that I still cannot believe it to this day. Um, for the Hispanic Heritage Festival, I actually told the, I only got two food trucks and I told them maybe 60 people, maybe 70 people. I was like, maybe. Like I was kind of expecting a dead crowd, just being honest, or an, an influx and outflux type of situation, maybe. And so I had had all my students because they wanted to do this. They went from classroom to classroom to invite their peers with flyers. And then I took it upon myself for three days before, actually four days before the um, Hispanic Heritage Festival, I called every single one of my kids' parents personally inviting them to come. And I said, this would mean so much to me if you would show up for me the same way that you feel like I've shown up for you this year. Please, you know, this is really important. If this works out, I can do it again next year. We can have this festival next year because it will be a success. Um, and I actually can't believe it I that I just called and called and the kids were giving me their phones too. Call my parent, call my parent. And at the end, we had around 300 people show up to the Hispanic Heritage Festival. The food trucks had to leave to go get more food from that. <laughs> it, it, was, it was insane. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that, that that happened. And I think it just goes to show that when you build community and those parents know that you love them and you love their kids and that you believe that it is an honor and a pleasure to have their child in your class, I think it does change the whole narrative. The next time you may have to call because of situations that might be happening in your class that maybe aren't as happy as, will you come to the Hispanic Heritage Festival? <laughs> <laughs> So did you did you come into the position with that understanding of how important the family connection was? And I guess with the confidence in your own skill set to engage, or did you need some support and help in figuring out the way to engage with parents? Mm. I feel like it was baptism through fire kind of sort of <laughs> because I realized that there was such a need for there to be someone that my kids' parents could communicate with. And they would come to me frantically saying, I found your number online, like on your page, you know, on your, your CC Griffin page. And I need to talk to someone who speaks Spanish. And my child, my child has told me, you are the only one that can communicate in Spanish. You're the only one. And I found that that was something that actually happened a lot until I, I through the direction of my principal, Ms. Perez, excuse me, she said, just create a Google number and then they'll have that number and they can c communicate with you. And I said, that's amazing. I was like, that's phenomenal. Now it doesn't have to be phone calls. It could be texts. You know, it's, it's so, e it'll be so much easier to communicate with these parents. So I would definitely say it was more baptism through fire. Like it was one of those experiences where I knew because everybody told me, oh, you have to make those phone calls the first week of school. You need to get that introduction. You need to start making. So I knew it was important, but I didn't realize how vital it was for my community. The mm -hmm. Latino community needs, they need digital equity. And one of those forms that we should be providing it in our schools is phone calls, emails, texts in their own 
languages. We cannot keep allowing our students of color to fall through the cracks because their parents are not able to understand the opportunities that they have at hand. And so I really have had to um, kind of take it upon myself um, to try to make sure my students um, and their parents feel informed and, and a part of all the experiences that they could have, such as early college. And I'm very proud to say that this year, because the parents knew about it and we were able to do those forms together, you know, my class, we were filling out those forms, you know, finally, we have about five to seven of my students who are going to early college or the aviation program or the STEM program. And last year, we had none of my students go, you know. So, so I'm, if I'm a school leader listening to this and in my school, I have one teacher like you who now I'm, I'm realizing has this, um, is looked to as the representative and is maybe taking on so much more beyond the scope of, of what her job is, how, and, and, and I think, wow, okay, we need to do better in, in not just translating stuff, but really reaching out to our family. So what can I as administrator do to help you and to amplify what you're doing and take some of that load off you, even though I may not speak Spanish or, you know, whatever other language or situation it is? Yes. So some of the things that my principals have done is they've put out emails reminding people like, hey, this is our translator. These are the different ways you can contact her. If you need to um, have an IEP meeting, if you need to, which I cannot translate for, but for example, if you need an IEP meeting, if you need to make a phone call home, if you need an email sent, um, please contact her through these ways. Contact her, you know, 24 hours in advance so she knows. And something else that I feel that's very empowering is my my principal heard me and she went and she advocated for that up more, up, up there saying, we need more translators. We need, you know, more people helping us with this work. You know, it is not, you know, equitable that we have one translator for five schools. And, you know, she went out there and she did that. You know, she, she spoke up for me. She mentioned like, okay, I'm going to this meeting and I'm going to talk about it because that's a lot of translating, you know, that you're racking up. Um, and so I think just um, advocating for your teachers, um, you know, and I completely understand that right now we currently do not have a lot of bilingual teachers applying for or bilingual people applying for teaching jobs. I completely understand that. Um, but definitely finding the different resources and ways in our communities that we can create those positions, um, I think is the way that we need to be looking. Um, the Grow Your Own in Cabarrus County, which it's a new program that we're talking about getting high school students maybe interested in education. We should be looking for a diverse workforce. We should be looking into our own Latino students, our own students in our community and say, hey, these are the opportunities you have to grow inside of our own community. You already know everybody here. Let's just get this started. Um, and so that's some of the ideas I would definitely um, encourage yeah. for our AP principals listening. Okay. And it's interesting listening to listening to you talk and what you're saying. And, and I'm thinking in our, 
my home district is in rural Appalachia in the um, North Carolina mountains. And I just think so much of what you're saying applies to our school as well, because what you're talking about is community. And what you're talking about is supporting people who are bridges in, in community and communities. And that can look a lot of different ways. It can sound a lot of different ways, but great leaders are, are bridges and are, and are, are those buttresses and those supports for those bridges and recognize the value of that. I completely agree. That's 100% true. So <clears throat> wrapping up your second year, you're already fantastic and awesome. What, <laughs> what does your future look like in terms of how you want to grow and how do you see school leaders as being collaborators with you and helping you continue to, to grow as a great teacher? Mm. Wow, that's amazing. So currently right now I'm finishing, or I'm not finishing, I am kind of dead center in the middle of my master's in Latin American studies. And from there, I'm definitely going to be pursuing a PhD in education um, because everything I do is kind of educational. It's the mindset of education. Um, I'm currently looking at how digital literacy and digital technology and education is not equitable for our first generation Americans and our Latinos in our school systems. And so I know that for a fact, as much as I love being in the classroom and I love teaching, I'm definitely going to have to eventually to continue to grow inside of this profession and continue to to move on and to move up. And I'm kind of speaking into existence, a position that I would eventually love to have, which is I would love to be a teacher who works in community engagement and service learning projects. Um, I want to get my kids involved in the community and to feel a part of the community. And I would love to have a position where all I do is work to bring the community into my schools and to get my kids out into the community so that they feel a part of it and feel a part of a family. Um, and so I that's like kind of like would be a dream teaching position, um, just I have so many ideas running through my head of things that I would love to do. Um, I would love to host family nights. I would love to be able to, to figure out ways to build the bonds within a school because I truly believe that school culture and classroom culture and relationships are the most important things that a teacher can have. Um, and so I think definitely... You know, those are conversations that new teachers need to have with their principals, that they're looking for different opportunities to grow. Um, and for sure, in a year or two, I'm going to be looking for different ways inside of my school and inside of my um, county to grow as an educator, because I know as much as I love being here with my students and my kids, I know that I can make you know, an even bigger difference, you know, um, at different levels as I continue to grow as an educator. So. Yeah, those are, that's where I'm at. <laughs> One of the things I've been talking about a fair amount um, recently is this idea that I can go into your classroom and I have my little observation form and I do my observation and then we do a post-conference and then I tell you what I want to work on, which I, I hope, I hope people listening 
think about what you just expressed about where you want to go in your career and all the different things that you do for your kids in your community. And I hope they're thinking, why would, why would I go into your classroom and tell you what you need to work on, right? Teachers need, teachers need to drive the conversations on teacher development. And so when I'm in your classroom and, and watching what you're doing, that's simply for me to understand better the context. And then when we get together, I you really should be, Nat Natalia, tell me, what do you want to work on? How can I help you? Where do you want to grow? Let's talk about it and let's figure out how I can best support what you're trying to do. Because a teacher like you should be driving her own professional development. It shouldn't be coming from, from school administrators. Wow. That's, that's such a different way of looking at it. Um, and I've never thought of it in such a way. So that's like, wow, it's kind of like mind boggling, you know, to think about it and to have it, the position turned so differently. Wow. Well, yeah. And we were talking earlier about how teaching is complicated and there's probably, it's a long time to master that. So there's probably 25 areas that you could be better at. Which one is most important? the one that matters most to you, right? Mm -hmm. That area where you fig where you think about, wow, if, if I could have just been a little bit better in this area, I could have reached these three kids. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what you want to focus on. Let's, let's go for it. And, and my job is to support and help you, right? Because school leaders, the way we create better opportunities for kids is consistently helping and growing our teachers. And, mm -hmm. and it, you know, I come from an athletics background and, and I just don't understand why the best athletes at the highest levels of competition get the best coaching. And yet in schools, we have this idea somehow that if a teacher's getting intensive coaching, that that's a negative, mm. right? It's, it seems like this is a complicated thing. This is people doing the most important work in our entire culture and they should be getting yes. the best support and we should all be embracing that support. So I think we really have to turn that on our head on its head. And the way to do that is let teachers drive what, what they need. And then as school leaders, we have to be in that servant position of helping support um, and help, help you be able to make your dreams possible. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Natalia, this has been a, a great conversation. Unfortunately, we've got to start to wrap it up. So my first question for you is, what part of your own leadership are you trying to get better at? Mm. Mm -hmm. My own part in leadership that I would like to get better at. Ooh, I feel like there's so many rooms that I have for growth. <laughs> um. Hmm. I would think that I would always like to be making sure that I am providing scaffolds and diverse, differentiated ways of thinking um, to other educators and that I'm always collaborating. I want to get better at collaborating with other teachers and I want um, 
I'm already a regular face in a lot of classes that they're not like surprised and shocked to see me. But I always want to make sure that I am doing a better job of walking in to their PLCs and that I'm, you know, advocating for my students, but also advocating for them and providing those scaffolds that they need and those differentiations. So collaboration, that is where I would love to continue to grow in. Awesome. If listeners could take away just one thing from today's podcast, what would it be? Um, I think it would be to, I think it would be to prioritize relationships specifically with your students. You know, we're there for the children. We work for, if I'm not mistaken, 1.5 million children in the state of North Carolina. You know, we work for them. What's best for them? Um, and so when you walk into your school building, just make sure that the first thing you say to a child is, I'm so glad you're here. And you give them a hug and you tell them that you love them. Um, I would definitely say prioritize um, your relationships with your kids and let them know that they're a part of your family because they are. They are your family. They are your community. Um, and one day, who knows, maybe they will be the ones holding you up when you need it. So all of our kids are part of our community. All right. Yes. So that will be the epi the title for this episode is I'm so glad you are here. And <laughs> Natalia Mejia, I am so glad that you've been here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Once again, it was an honor to represent my students. Thank you. Okay. All right. Great. Take care. What a great day to be alive. Natalia reminds me of the choice we all have each day, the choice to show up as our best, our best and most passionate selves. Some days it's harder to be that than others, but in any case, there's nothing that stops us from welcoming people into our building with a heartfelt, I am so glad you're here. I'm assuming that you're enjoying some downtime or maybe celebrating the holiday with some family and fireworks as you listen to this. So I'm not going to ask you to go out and apply something this episode, but you aren't completely off the hook. Remember when Natalia talked about her principal, Ms. Perez, welcoming Natalia on the first day of school and telling her how much she wanted her to be in that school? And remember Natalia talking about her dreams of the future, dreams of continuing to be a powerful change agent? Hang on to that. And when we get closer to the opening of school, reach out to your new teachers and do three things. First, tell them how glad you are that they are here. Second, find out why they became a teacher and what their aspirations and their dreams are. And finally, Ask them what they need from you. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Remember that you can walk more with me by subscribing to my daily leadership email on my website at frederickbusky.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily messages. I'm Frederick Busky, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm so glad you are here. Cheers. <music>